Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Working Through Some Things. First of all, I want to start by saying sorry um, that we missed last week. It's a stressful time. There's corona, there's dissertations going on. It is the first episode I think we ever missed in a year. So I'm really sorry um, if you were expecting an episode and it didn't come up. But we are back and we are better than ever. Well, I am back. Pfizer is currently grappling with lots of words but I'm happy to announce that we have a special guest for one week only to replace her um, and this is someone I was talking to her the other day and I was like we haven't actually hung out that much in person but we just seem to have such a high quality of conversations over social media or whatever and I think we just our spirits like our spirits take to each other I think it was just the way that we came up with it and um, we met through Black Ballad which is an online magazine for black women and we've just kind of been in contact ever since so um, she's an amazing writer an amazing poet I would say that she she is very hot on cultural commentary um so yeah I'd like to introduce would you like to introduce yourself okay yeah sure um so my name is Coco um I'm from London um, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, I'm a student and a writer um and yeah I think I think isn't gas me enough so um. no I could even <laughs> guess you more no but her stuff like she has such a wave of words so and actually if you have listened to this podcast for a while you will know that actually once she wrote the questions for us and it was one of the best episodes we've ever done in terms of it's just interesting to see what it's like when someone else shapes the questions so yeah before we get into our topic which we've already kind of discussed a tiny bit well we've thought of our questions mm-hmm. we have a very important part of this podcast which is called the chatting shit podcast part <laughs> so is there anything um interesting you'd like to tell the people them at this moment in time cool, cool. um i don't have any uh, you know what my life is so boring during this quarantine thing um what do i feel I like s- everyone is the same like yeah. there's not that much going on we're just surviving not do you want to at all do you want to tell them though about your name because i think that's super interesting oh my god okay so um okay let me just do a quick history of my name okay so I was born with a different name, well, like a different first name that I went by for the first 11 years of my life. And then um, I changed it uh, just before I, get to, before I got to secondary school. I think that's so powerful for a child to be like, excuse me, yeah. I'm going to rename myself. Was it one of your names already or was yeah, it completely it was like It was like a middle name, but I didn't okay. use it on any kind of documentation. It was just okay. like a family home name that I never, like, no one would ever call me that name in isolation it was always my former name which i don't okay. really tell people but like because i moved away from my old area so like lots of people who knew me probably still think i went, i go by the old name but i don't anymore i love that you renamed yourself though i think that's something so you like poetic Thank about you. that <laughs> and it's so funny because it was so unconscious like now i've done research and i've gotten older i've seen that like so many like poets and writers have done it but i didn't even know that like you know tony morrison tony's not her first name Audrey Lord, like I think she used to have a Y at the end of her name. Yeah, she did. Zadie Smith was Sadie. Like everyone is kind of like shifting the narrative about, and I think it starts with our names. I mean, so many like Erica Badu, um, Crime Tore, like so many historical figures have done it. So I mean, I didn't know that they had done it. I just kind of decided to um, reclaim that part of myself. And um, that's so dope. I think it's become more significant now because of the meaning because like, yeah. there's a naming system and like the tribe that I'm from is a Gadangbi tribe and it's a Dangmi name. They're not really that, um, I guess, well known and stuff. So it's kind of like I'm reclaiming it. And my surname is also a Dangmi surname. So it's, it's kind of cool. I'm like, I'm not actually fully Dangmi, but it's just cool because it's like people see me and they're like, oh, we know exactly where you're from if they're from the same place as me. So it's nice identifier at least yeah i think that's lovely thank um, you that is honestly the most high brow high-minded chatting shit section that we've ever had <laughs> but i'm very very here for it and do you want to talk a bit about the meaning for your name of your name because i feel like that's a really nice segue into yeah, our topic exactly so um in in the dangmi tribe basically they use a naming system for um the first born the second born the third born the fourth born etc so mm-hmm. um if you're the firstborn, they'll call you, like, Kabuki or Capite. And, like, the Kabu basically comes from the Portuguese Cabo because the tribe I'm from is on the coast of Ghana. 
Mm-hmm. And um, basically, the first people that came to Ghana, before the Brits, before the Germans, before the Dutch, was the Portuguese. So we had contact with them, and it basically influenced our naming system. So I'm a second-born, so I'm what they call Coco. In Ghana, obviously, they pronounce it Coco, but in England, obviously, I had to... Well, I didn't have to obviously change the pronunciation, but I couldn't pronounce it properly when I was younger. So mm-hmm. I would just, like, stress the O and the R. So I was like, it's Coco. But there's mm-hmm. equivalence, and it basically kind of means, like, princess if you're the first born you're queen if you're the second born you're princess and basically that's what it that's what it means people always used to ask me i didn't actually know until i did my research but there isn't that much research around it because we are not as popular as like other ethnic groups like ashantis mm. or everyone knows about Ghanaian ashantis or like fanties or like um ever or gar like the adangmi tribe is like quite small so i'm kind of representing um yeah i'm proud of it i'm happy i never used to like it <laughs> i mean it's funny because it's like why change it i didn't realize how significant a deal it would be as i got older but yeah I, I think it's dope yeah amazing and then you also to be honest you see how you said the first contact was with the portuguese yes that's really interesting because apparently well this is just something that my aunties told me once i'm definitely not as well versed in like um the history of my tribe as you are mm-hmm. but um my auntie told me that um my mum's maiden name yeah like the surname is like apparently it's linked to like a road in um chile somewhere which wow. i think is south america also so it's interesting like um those links and obviously because when we think of colonialism now we don't think of portugal at all but yeah, oh absolutely my God. Right. They, they were some first of, yeah yeah did they colonize there or was it just contact sorry that's such an ignorant question no it's a sin- i mean i know they settled whether they would be cl- classed as an empire or like a, colon- um, a colony I, I wouldn't be too sure I know they were the first Europeans to make contact with us they settled and they settled for quite a long time but um, I think it was Britain who's basically the colonization was probably the most recent and probably the most powerful and influential but um, they did make contact and they did like change our whole naming system so that is pretty influential yeah, yeah. but also there's I don't know I think there's something interesting I don't know I wonder if it, it yeah because it seems like it was a different relationship yeah yeah i mean uh, when we talk about africa and european colonialism we don't um i mean we do separate like you know political and educational and religious and etc but um i wonder how things differ depending on which european country it yeah. um what kind of i mean it sounds like if somebody's taking your name that it's like amiable it's respectful yeah exactly friendly. exactly but and maybe like, i'm romanticizing it with not enough it. information this is it so let so. me just stop <laughs> um and then another meaning for coco in a Ghanaian dialect i think mm. is fair yes yes so it's like yellow skin or something exactly so in the um ashanti tribe um which is um the language is tree when someone says um coco that basically means you're fair skinned or like it's basically, um, it's like um, a synonym for like plantain. So mm. when plantain goes yellow, someone will say like, oh, like, have you eaten plantain? Like, you know, have you eaten cocoa? So if someone is uh, described as that, it's kind of like the equivalent for, I think in Nigeria, they have like a, is it a pawpaw fruit or something like that? Yeah, and they and say it's like, That's it. So that's, it's the, literally, it's the same difference. So when someone says, oh, you're cocoa, that means that you're fair skinned. So it was quite ironic growing up for me because most of the people I had contact with were Ashanti. And um, they'd be like, oh, your name is Plantain. That means fair skin. And it's funny because I'm not. I'm not fair skin. Like, I'm so dark. (laughs) I'm like (laughs) the darkest skin person you can meet. But it honestly, it flagged up for me, like, issues of colorism pretty early on from me not even understanding what my own name meant in another language, which is the major language in Ghana after English. Because mm. who speaks Dangmi? Hardly anyone speaks Dangmi. I've had people tell me to my face, like, You're, you know your name is Plantain. You know your name is Fesk. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It exactly. Means, you're ignorant means, and exactly. you're showing it now. <laughs> exactly. It means second born. But honestly, that's that. Honestly, that's what I always say when I talk about colorism. It's It literally is bred in my name. Like, even... As simple as in even in English, people are born and their names like what, like ebony and stuff like that. Mm. Like, you we attribute a lot of stuff to skin color pretty early on. So, mm. for me, that was like one of my first confrontations of it 
in my own community and then of course extended outwards as I entered new circles so yeah and that leads us very swiftly onto our topic mm-hmm. which is colorism we're talking about colorism we're talking about a bit of the kerfuffle mm-hmm. the absolute world war free carnage that the t- um, twitter timeline saw Lord. um and so the first question i've got for us mm-hmm. is how did we feel about the latest colorist tweets coming up or resurfacing Oof, um, i was like sickened i mean the first yeah it was like a trigger for me. I thought I'd desensitized. I thought I'd suppressed it. I thought I'd overcome and repressed it. And then I see all this content, like very vile, like scary content. I wasn't even talking about the, the um, just the jabs. I was talking about like the abusive comments. That's what really like destroyed me. Yeah, the stuff about like raping and yeah. stuff like that is yeah. horrible. It just like unleashed a whole barrage of like... Um, feelings of like unwelcomeness just in my own body, in my own spaces and in my own community. I was, I mean, I was like, it was like a proper physical reaction. You know, when you have muscle memory, when you Mm. used to do something and then you do something again and you feel it all like come back to you. That's exactly how I felt. Like, it was terrifying. How about you? What did you, what did you experience? Do you know what I think it's, um, so I want to be, I'm so thankful that I was not on Twitter during this time when people are telling me, well, I was on Twitter, but I don't think I discovered black Twitter. Ah. So I'm so thankful that I was insulated from that time because yeah. it sounds awful. Oh my but God. obviously as I, I sometimes don't know what to say because I do have darker skinned and yes. in my head I am dark skinned, but I'm also aware that I'm not the darkest of skin. Mm. You know what I mean? But I remember, like, in in high school and stuff, like, comments about, like, don't stand out in the sun, like, you'll get blick. Or, like, we're the people that God forgot to take out the oven. Jesus. Or just, obviously, going to a girls' school. And you see the politics of colorism at play very quickly when you engage with boys from other schools on the bus and stuff. And you you become comfortable with a certain level of invisibilization. Exactly. Um, I think I felt upset just that it's some of my favorite influences. It's always embarrassing, right? Because it's like, for example, someone like Maya Jama, mm-hmm. I really fucked with her. I was like, this is dope. Look at this black girl doing bits. 100%. And then it's like, oh, wait, like you used my dehumanization. Oh, my God. To, do you know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you, you were part of that really not nice time for me that I had to like grow out of an evolved part but and fair enough you were just a drop in an ocean but it just feels embarrassing now because i just i'm like i was just like you're so sick you're so amazing Literally. i mean i guess we have to say for fairness that maya jama did go on a receipts podcast episode and apologize yes, and address yes. all of that yes. you just feel a bit like an idiot do you yeah. know what i mean i, I think, think that's so. the first thing you feel a bit like an idiot and i'm really um I'm really interested in because so obviously as well I said I feel like I'm fairly dark skinned Mm -hmm. but then my sister is fairer than me and she was talking about how like obviously she never really saw herself as fair skinned because some of her friends are even fairer and lighter Mm. and so just seeing how like contextual it is um, and stuff like that but yeah it's it's a it's not. It's it. It shows how widespread it is because even as a child, you know who the right target is. Yes. My sister was saying like she read like an academic article and they asked white people how much they'd have to be paid to be black and they're saying like crazy amounts. And I think it's the same thing in that people would not ask like if you told someone who was fairer skinned that they would become dark skinned mm-hmm. they would very quickly as much as they would be disingenuous and be like it doesn't matter shade doesn't matter i think we see a lot more of that rhetoric now like black is beautiful don't, don't you can't you see everyone loves it lupita and yongo <laughs> if you said tomorrow you're gonna wake up 50 shades darker yeah then people would start, they, they would be like then they'd be, they'd be like literally yeah. because yeah. You, you know you know yeah. if you're pretending there you know you know it's subconscious you know it you know it the next question i have is what do we think is like missing if anything from the current conversation i think the centering of black women who have experienced um, this kind of abuse is missing because i mean the onus for, lot, for me in my opinion i mean is it on us to tell the story and have you guys decide that okay we're gonna apologize we're gonna do better by you or is the onus on i guess you know white supremacy and 
and basically the people that propagate it downwards towards us so lighter skinned women black men other non-black people i'm confused as to where we allocate um allocate like responsibility that's my issue because we it's so easy grabbing a bunch of screenshots and throwing them on the timeline and saying okay you were responsible you were responsible you're responsible and it's like where does the justice come um i've been reading a lot of articles related to what happened so i, I read an article on Gaudem by toby chiramateng i read another mm. article on black ballads by stella frimpong and like they were basically narrating exactly what um i was thinking in my mind which was you need to let people heal. You need to let people decide whether they're going to forgive you or not. But Absolutely. You, you also need to understand that black women are not like... These are like... This is a quote from Stella Frimpong's um, article. Black women are not indispensable, like, for your, like, personal gain. Um, are, are indispensable for your personal gain. Um, whether that's political agenda or, like, um, something else. Um moral superiority that's what she said like it doesn't matter what your reason is you don't get to do that you don't get to hurt us just for the sake of uh he's online yeah like and bear in mind especially because of the economy that we live in whereby if your main consumer base is black women they have every right to withdraw from you and decide no i'm not going to forgive you you don't get to pressure them into that mm, but for some people want to fast forward your like healing and they decide, nope, like, you guys are what, um, just, you don't get over things, and you're, you're living in the past, and it was a phase, and it's like, center the people that you hurt, and maybe we can establish some healing from it, you know? Yeah, I will say, I feel like it's interesting to see how that has played out, because I know, for example, in her apology video, mm-hmm. Nella said, like, those of you that are trying to defend me, yeah, I don't want to quote her verbatim, but she yeah. said, it, you're almost, it, it's almost coming across as if what I said was okay and it's yeah. absolutely not. Mm. And I think it took, I think it takes a lot of nuance and nuance to be able to address that. Do you know yes. what I mean? Even yes. if it was a storm for her. Yes. Obviously, she didn't devote her whole video to it. But I think even that is like more discourse than we would have seen from everyone else. Because in previous incidents, I'll be honest, all I've seen is people kind of suggesting that the abuse I've received could have driven me to suicide. And it's like the abuse that the people that you abused received could have also driven them to suicide. And I completely, I completely agree that no one should, for example, be mentioning people's dead grandparents or parents. No one should be like making, no one, no, no one, or babies, no one should be abusing like we don't want any more abuse like we don't want the response to be more abuse but i also didn't like the way in which some people centered themselves um, yes. in order to paint themselves as the victim yeah. even though rightly so because they were being victimized in a way that was unfair but it's almost weaponizing that fragility 100%. in a way that black women can't which is just quite tricky and you've seen some other influences yeah. just be like black is beautiful i've always known black is beautiful duh, duh, duh. but it's like we have to recognize also that you are fairer and other people are darker yes. and like they cannot um, i think it's gabrielle union that said something like you cannot love yourself out of systemic discrimination. Like, you don't just love yourself and then... Exactly. Oh, my God. And you, you like, queen about yeah. that. She knows. And it's so funny because people have tried to make it, like, an objective idea of, like, you're just not beautiful. It's not got to do with you being dark-skinned. Oh, you're my just gosh. Not and I'm just like, have you read... If you read her book, Gabrielle Union's book, it's a biography called We Need... Um, We're Going to Need More Wine. She oh, talks, maybe I need to read it. Listen, and grab a glass of wine when you're reading it as well. Because... Right, you know me, I've got alcohol, <laughs> baby, at any time. Honest to God, she she ripped that rhetoric apart. and she Because we all recognise that this is a beautiful woman now. But she will tell you, years ago, she had an inferiority complex. She wow. thought, I'm a dark-skinned woman. And I look at her and I say, you think you're dark? <laughs> like, I'm darker yeah. than you. So if yeah. you're experiencing that... What the hell are girls that are my complexion and girls that are even darker than me experiencing? Mm. Because I even, I'm on the dark scale, but I'm not as dark as um, a, a lot of like South Sudanese models like Ali Quek. And um, I'm not even as dark as Lupita Nyong'o. Like, but mm-hmm. I'm and then we can add so much nuance in like being plus size or being differently it. able alongside being darker skinned because yeah, these people also being exist. Straight. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they all add like, I mean... Mm. It's only when you learn, I mean, for example, me, I never used to speak about colorism because I was like, 
it's not going to be an experience that I'm going to talk about. It's not for debate. I know what I experienced. No one's going to invalidate that. Never going to get gaslighted, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then I entered, um, I entered Twitter. And then, like, I saw people trying to make it a matter of beauty. And I had to keep, like, stressing in my mind. I knew the truth. But I couldn't mm. articulate it. I had to read more. Whereby there is no objective beauty standard. There is no such thing as that. All there are are like norms that we put together and basically say this is acceptable. So it's usually slimmer, able, cis heteronormative, and they align with some kind of Eurocentric beauty standard. And that's it's just it's it's really a function of power. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you can't you can't do that. Actually, leads me to something else I think is missing because I really really appreciate that we're discussing how much of a problem this is within our community mm-hmm. because it absolutely is a lot of damage has been done by members of our community to yes. other members of our community of both genders whether they yes. be men whether they be women whether they be straight whether they be not straight mm-hmm. you know what i mean 100%. no one is no one is unimplic- unimplicated in this but i saw an article in a mainstream media publication mm-hmm. talking about how it's an issue that affects like between members of that community but colorism is absolutely functioning outside of our community why are all of your starlets the same shade because you go to a shop and pick them all out like that exactly like why are all most of the people that people use as status symbols once they've made it who are their partners now not to say those women are just status symbols not to undermine their agency and everything else that is brilliant about them which it surely is Mm -hmm. but why is it just magically all of them are the same shade also it's not a coincidence why why is it if you look at the black representation why is it that it is often fairer this is not even just about desirability and getting man or getting women or whatever you appeal to this This is is about money and this is also about opportunities yes and that also brings me to something well it's not really linked but another thing that i think is missing from this conversation right is after everyone's kicking and saying ha 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 this happened Mm -hmm. what are we doing to ensure that the next generation of black girls don't grow up feeling that way it's such a horrible feeling for whether they are life fairer than maybe you or i and they Mm -hmm. weaponize or because of feeling so vulnerable and horrible they were horrible then and spewed that out to us and we felt even worse like how do we ensure that the next generation of black girls don't suffer economically don't suffer in terms of their self-esteem and their sense of self but everyone's just willing to say kiki ki ha 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 or oh my gosh i know they said this years ago but we need to forgive them now you lot shouldn't be so bitter fair enough and i don't believe anyone should be driven to suicide i don't want to cancel i don't believe in cancellation i don't believe in prison do you know what i mean so that's not that's not what i'm trying to do and fair enough i hope their friends and their loved ones around them are looking after them and looking out for them you know what i mean absolutely 100 it's all about the wellness of the community exactly but yeah also like again the wellness of the darker skinned black women who were who were bullied and victimized is not even number three on the agenda it's like kiki it's like we're cancelling you and then it's like you lot were too mean to cancel and then that's it do you know what i mean like and then we'll do it repeating one or two years yeah it's a cycle and like this is is what annoys me about social media because what happens is you get a whole new um, generation of people that enter the site they become followers they become active members of it and either they didn't see what happened before or they've forgotten what happened before and then the conversations just recycle themselves and Mm. it's like i i know from entering black spaces black one spaces um working with black owned organizations writing for black owned publications i know the importance of us owning our own spaces and doing things in our own spaces but i'm also aware that social media has probably a bigger influence perhaps on most people's minds than the offline space only because we are on social media mostly every single day hours Mm. and hours on end so i can do a one hour workshop in the middle of the city and you know uplift everybody and then if everybody goes home and then spends Mm -hmm. four hours on twitter and twitter's just sending them vitriol which which side is gonna win of course the social side is going to win of course mainstream media is going to win we have to be more responsible yeah online but it's also it's also a very neoliberal response i'm so sorry to say the answer is that black dark-skinned women just need to love themselves more forget the structure forget everything that's going on behind them they have to work harder at it yeah do you know what i mean like and the like, onus exactly which goes back to the onus it's like 
self it's not this is not just about self-love this is systemic yeah exactly let the two happen hand in hand exactly and bear in mind capital for women is beauty so you trying to undermine a woman's beauty femininity that desirability is way more significant to like undercutting her well-being than it is for you to cuss a man oh, okay yeah man is this but the equivalent for male is definitely the, yeah the, exactly the equivalent for men is economics i was exactly. speaking to someone about this yeah so you trying to say that oh okay it's the same thing to cuss a man and a woman oh we got those jokes i mean you only ever mention those jokes when black women are talking about their own jokes i never hear man them talk about um, being called glick until women talk about being called glick firstly but when we are talking about it don't overshadow us like don't gaslight us and say it never happened yeah, don't question lie. it there are hyper visible black women of all like um t- uh, beauty types who have said it like i experienced it jamelia talks about it kelly Rowland talks about it these women are all what we all consider very beautiful in this day and age so why mm. is it that they experience it's like a blanket feature that dark skin is ugly like that's the rhetoric i get so yeah yeah no, definitely. I'm not even to do what about me, but I was just having, I saw a tweet online and then um, I was just speaking to um, someone who I dated in the past. In the past, I was speaking to them. Yeah. And um, they are of like a lighter, fairer complexion. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, for some girls, it's very much that they have to find like a dark, black, um, a dark skinned black man because mm-hmm. that is what is associated with masculinity 100%. And but I think there was a time when it was the opposite where it was just like everyone wanted someone who was fairer skinned yeah, so yeah, yeah. all of these thi- all of these things ultimately are manifestations of insecurities we feel about ourselves yeah we Faiz and I've had a conversation on this podcast and we had to we we kind of analyzed a bit why we like taller people but it's because um as women like being with someone taller mm-hmm. it like feminize you feminizes you in yes, a way yes. do you know what i mean and in 100%. the same way there's so many um uh, black women whatever shade they were he wanted to be with someone darker because that's a way to somehow buttress their femininity do you know yes. what i mean like because it's um, extremes it's extremes it's about mm. a woman being as light as possible and a man being as dark as possible so exactly so if you're with someone darker it makes you seem fairer exactly or even and do you know what another conversation we have to have in in, in that vein is how many people who are fairer skinned then mm-hmm. will raise dark-skinned daughters without any nuance perhaps yes. with unintentionally passing on that self hate i don't want to put any vitriol towards anyone but that's also a conversation and a discussion we need to have because this is the politics of the situation that you do often end up with darker skinned men and fairer skinned women or women who are lighter than them and the children are going to perhaps be darker or fairer but that means that the women these women will be perhaps raising women darker than themselves and again about ensuring that the damage that we had collectively is not passed on to another generation of young women. That's really what I want because ultimately as black women as well, the solidarity we derive and we need from each other is so important. And yes. colorism is just another manifestation of patriarchy yes. interrupting those relationships between women of all shades that are so vital for our survival and um, and our existence in a wider in a wider um, discriminatory structure, you of know? Of course, of course. I mean, like, um, Lupita Nyong'o said that, um, what did she say? She said, colorism is the daughter of racism. And I think... I love that. I love that because I, I think in colorism, sometimes people who are not from the community love to say, this is not us, this yes. is all them between themselves. Yes. But Just it's, be it's, respectful. You didn't get it from nowhere. Exactly. It didn't come out, yeah. And people will say, where did it come from? I mean... The Colonialism, idea, slavery. That's, that's it. So it's the colonialism, it's the slavery. It's the idea that economically, you fared less, um, you fared worse, so if you were darker because you were out in the fields and that means that you're poor. I mean, these are the... People have tried to make it like it's a biological thing, but it's obviously not. It's clearly mm. social. I mean... I mean, I'm Ghanaian. My parents, they're lighter than me. My whole family's lighter than me. I'm the darkest in my family. I'm even darker than my grandparents who live in Ghana. That's a really... That must have been a really interesting thing to navigate. 100%. Because, like... And difficult at times. I said interesting. Difficult at times. it is. It's like I'm trying to um, deal deal with it in my own been in my own family and then I'm having to extend it but I think because I understood it amongst my own family I was kind of protected 
in the outer world whereby if perhaps your whole family's dark-skinned then you don't have any comparative but my sister's significantly lighter than me like my brother is significantly lighter than me so I, under, I completely understand that but I also think it's the flip side I mean my mum and my sister are fairer than me yeah but I think there's also the flip side in that you can't even discuss this with these people no because they and don't that, really get what you're talking about that's exactly you know what I mean yeah I didn't I never did I never I was like you don't understand and if I just say it then I'm going to get that's why I, would, I never spoke about colorism openly and I've always been the darkest out of all of my friendship groups it was just something that I dealt with independently it was looking at online publications like that ballad and gal them that actually taught me that there were other women who have experienced this but I already kind of knew but I didn't have their like um version of the story until I started reading their books and I realized the importance of um not just representation but like us basically creating our own beauty standards you know it wasn't just about um me being a dark-skinned woman it was also me understanding the texture of my hair and I feel like you know like the Peter said that if colorism is thought of racism I think to myself that then texturism is the cousin of yeah colorism. Facts, 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 and facts. then featureism is another cousin like of they course. are all related it's just a family of discrimination like if you look at if you look at the dark-skinned black supermodels and absolutely they must have faced so much shit yes. they must have overcome so much but often they do have features that we might call eurocentric now some exactly. people do problematize the idea that how can it be on a dark a black dark-skinned face and you're saying it's yeah. eurocentric because yeah. they are our features and this is how politics involves themselves mm -hmm. However, maybe the, the features that the majority of black people have, because maybe we want to say that, I don't know, a slim nose and slim lips and whatever are mm. just perhaps dark features of black people that are less common. Because I understand, why should we call what's on our face Eurocentric? Exactly. I get that. But the features that the majority of dark skinned people have, do you know what I mean? Are yes. not what we see on the top models. Maybe you could say there's something about uniqueness that we celebrate, but there's also something about being less different than that, the majority you know what it yeah. is i think because the idea of eurocentricism people equate it with european features and i think that's where the problem lies it is not saying that this is a european feature it is saying it aligns more with european standards of beauty that mm. is the that is the specificity that we need to put upon it us yeah. saying that we have fuller noses and we have slimmer noses we have four lips and we have tiny lips we mm. have all of these features they are they are numerous we have people who are slim and people who are not slim you exactly know. we have people who are super light and they are super dark and these are mm. all black people this is not to invalidate your blackness this is okay. to say that the european standard of beauty does not um, platform europeans with bigger noses it does not platform europeans with bigger lips so very true that's i like that way of looking at exactly. it exactly yeah. so us aligning with those standards that they do platform themselves is not us undercutting our africanness it is not us undercutting undercutting our afrocentricism people try to make it seem and you addressed this a bit earlier on in the podcast People try to make it seem as though we are doing this all for, like, the male gaze, the white gaze, the patriarchal gaze, you know, we just want you guys to see us as attractive. I'm not being rude. I'm not really going to try and convince somebody that I'm attractive. Yeah, like, do you know how early <laughs> that we had to learn not to look for love in places that doesn't love you? We've this done that. It. We've like, done that around age 13. Like, we're, we're done. We're finished with that yeah, one. Like, we came <laughs> that ages ago. And we, 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 like, like me. exactly, we, we, and we never did force people to like me, this but we it. learned, we learned very quick, we never, well, I never forced anyone to like me, but we learned very quickly to value love, love in the places where love was there for you, do you know what I mean, it. this is, this is so much bigger than wanting man, do you know what I mean, like, and so I much bigger, and I this, because they actually think that they're the focal point yeah, of the they literally think that we're here crying I'm not about, here for your, um, like, validity, I don't need it, what I want you to do is to humanise women that look like me, and not make animal abuse a joke, exactly, love me, love about hating us this is it like uplift us and don't make don't invisibilize us and hyper visibilize us and fetishize us and exoticize us treat yeah. us as human that is because it. we honestly like i don't know i think yeah you're right because people do i mean it's it's similar to gaslighting and by like, like something that's a massive socio-political economic opportunity related issue and they'll be like you just want man this and is it's it. like i don't just yeah, want man because why would like why would i want you as my man and then i'll have a child that will hate themselves oh, due to your influence why would, I want that? why would i want that and then every day you're giving me complexes and Sam. insecurities like absolutely not like if you know what you like 
like and that's what you like go and have it 100%. but don't love who you love without while hating and dehumanizing me it's also disrespectful to the person that you love like what about them do you like because it's not me do you know this what i mean it. like like that, that person is also a full complete individual it's, it's it's partly just reducing women in general do you know what i mean like 100%. yeah nobody wins from that kind of rhetoric. it hinges yeah. on dehumanization what it does is that it starts off with jokes and it makes it makes jokes about black women's genitals basically saying that they look like what bats and hedgehogs it's saying we look like gorillas yeah and i saw some of that shit. i'm so thankful i was not online at that time oh, literally my isn't like, literally it was it was it was horrendous the jokes and then the apes and the gorillas and what it does is that it makes us basically open up to abuse because what it does is it dehumanizes us now you don't see us as human you see us as animal so now you can mistreat us and the mistreatment goes from verbal emotional financial abuse all the way to domestic violence rape sexual assault fgm all the way to femicide this is the like spectrum but people don't want to listen to it they don't understand yeah, people just they want to reduce it but i mean it's, it's partly it's partly a function of how you reduce women in general and what this we is it what we say. it's like if we exist just for you and it's, it's in the case of, okay, so our, our labour, our emotional labour, our physical labour, bearing your children, it's emotional labour, dealing with your issues in our relationships. It is our um, often going to work and exhausting ourselves and it's our capital. It's always, what are you doing for me as a woman? You're cooking for me, you're cleaning for me, you're beautiful to me. What are we giving, what, what are you as a woman giving to me as a man? I'm not giving you anything, mate. If I am ugly, then close your eyes. Mm. Like, the way I see it, I don't owe you these kind of things. I don't need to cook for you. I don't need to clean for you. I don't need to be, like, an emotional crutch for you. But the way they do this is that you need to prove your worth to me. And the first thing, the most superficial thing is... What, as in, so you feel like... Wait, I want to just... I just want to zero in on what you're saying. As Mm -hmm. in, you feel like in relationships with men, Mm -hmm. because you are darker-skinned, there's almost an expectation that you will accept or you will do more because you are darker-skinned. A hundred percent. That's really interesting. It's also like a... I think there's an element of, like, I guess, gratefulness to some extent because, obviously, being single is so, like, demonised. Like, oh, what... You're single, that means that no one finds you desirable, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I don't want to date anyone at this point. Like, you know, Mm. there is actually autonomy and agency at this point. But I'm not going to feel grateful for you talking to me as a dark-skinned woman. Like, I need to talk to you. Like, you find me attractive, great. You don't find me attractive, fine. And it's always a case of capital. What What do you as a woman offer me? who are you like what are you talking about this is like at the inception of a relationship the beginning of a relationship a stupid talking stage people want to ask you like what do you bring to the table mate i'm the fucking table like don't (laughs) tell me it's so weird how people just attribute women to their service that's it like what can you do for me economically sexually emotionally all of these different elements instead of just seeing this person as a human being and it's like no. Yeah. I don't know. I'm reflecting on my experiences. I just I don't know how people I've dated in the past have dated women other than me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know yeah. I don't know enough to say about it, but I think I've been I don't know, I think I've been lucky in some ways in that people that I've dated or been with have never made me feel lesser because of the shade of my skin or like 100%. I had to be more, or, 100%. I it's a know, privilege. Like, it's a yeah, privilege. Because and again I, I think partly of course this is why you always need nuance in these discussions because as much as to some people I'm dark skinned to some people I'm not dark skinned because mm. they're like a lot darker than me but. yeah it's, it is it's so weird because it's like you think you're I always thought like, like I have some kind of oppression I'm a black female and I'm in, I'm in London I'm working class blah 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 and then I'm like wait hold on there's ableism wait hold on yeah there's, and um, you just continuously homophobia wait hold on there's transphobia like there's all of these different you start realising this is like a, a ladder like people mm. call it oppression olympics it's like how far are you on the how far like what rung are you on how high are you how low are you and it's like no one is romanticizing being oppressed or whatever but it's just about acknowledging my position and my positionality in relation to the rest of the world i am a dark-skinned woman but there are darker-skinned women mm. like you and know these things affect our experiences it's so why it's so important that whatever we discuss we always are like yeah there's this outside of me yeah there's this outside of me yeah and again as well especially in terms of this table and shit like that which also i don't really i don't know i'm not a fan of like what do you bring to the table Mm -mm. in some ways i guess like in my career i've always been quite proactive just for myself so maybe that's why that's not something 
that I've known the encounter. Maybe people are saying stuff or are thinking processes that mm. I don't quite understand that I've not quite put my finger in. But yeah, it's, like, it's just yeah, it's, it's 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 there's so much pressure I think on trying to be an ideal woman and exactly. I think also do you know what I think dating as a a young oh. black woman period mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. like this pressure not to make wrong I say that was inverted commas choices right because it's like mm. the scorn and the vitriol that women oh my God. who end up not in nuclear families face and it's like my lord I mean you saw the backlash that like Rihanna got and you see the backlash that oh, single parents get in general as if to say I mean is by the way this is ones. just this is just a perfect time for me to plug another podcast that started recently which is not just his baby mum and i'm so happy that they're doing that podcast you can see it on soundcloud because yeah. i think that is really important that these women speak for themselves and tell their own stories because i think so much is said about them on behalf and on behalf of them yeah. you know what i mean that yes. is disrespectful so if you want to learn more i'd definitely plug that podcast someone i know started it but it's honestly really really good i think they're about three episodes in at this point yeah 100%. yeah well, anything else did you want to add to that question in terms of what is missing from the discussion? Um, the dis- I think we've, we've agreed that the, basically the discussion currently just does not have the range. It yes, doesn't have the range. It doesn't have A the lot range. of people don't have the range of speaking. Yes. I think Jay Benter as well, I think that's what she is on Twitter. She sort of yes. spoke about how um, men who did these things are not suffering, but look at the women. My and God. That, the that, that again is an inequality, right? Because, yes. Like, yeah. how can you hold Nella Rose to a standard that she was at 12 years of age saying things about makeup? And yes, yeah, she did say some problematic things and negative things, but they're comparing her to men who were in their early 20s to mid 20s. Making rape jokes. And you want to cancel her, but you didn't cancel them. I think the problem is cancellation. Anyway, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't because the pe- like, work. people who are. People who have that proximity to privilege, you can't cancel them anyway. I think people need to learn that expeditiously. Yeah, 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 I hear you. Yeah. Um, The next question I had was... Do we think the rhetoric of dark-skinned black women being bitter will resurface as influences' careers are impacted or destroyed? Is it resurfacing already? Um... Yes and yes. Yeah, um, yeah basically, like, isn't it? As simple as that. Yeah, because bitterness is something I've had to really, like, grapple with. Like, oh my it, it's a characterization whereby, like, you can either have it thrust upon you so someone can call you bitter, or you can grow up and start to feel bitter because of the hatred that you've experienced and endured. And you're just like, so what do I do? Do I heal from this bitterness? Do I, um, do I neutralize? Do I use it? And I, and I make something better from it. And what I want people to understand, like I want people to understand everything, is that I think we have to kind of normalize bitterness to an extent, but not um, inflame it to the point where people are like misbehaving because of it. I think somebody feeling bitter is much like maybe someone feeling jealous. If you don't act on it outwardly and you actually try to heal from it, chances are you will be better off than the person who pretended that they weren't bitter or jealous in the first place. There are a lot of people in life who were jealous of somebody else who made more income. So they used that energy and they made more income. You being bitter about this situation should just basically force you to want to support people from your community that look like you, like dark-skinned women. Oh, I get you. Just use it differently. I get what you mean. I I definitely, I feel like in this situation, I definitely like, regardless, like, I definitely agree that, so the one I'm speaking on is Nella Rose. Like, Mm -hmm. when I heard it, it was quite upsetting because I really think that she's dope. Do you know what I mean? Like, I met her once at a party. And I remember a while ago, not to like blame my own trumpet, but people were saying stuff about her mum just for a stupid reason. And I was literally like, you lot, like, your funeral can actually be arranged, which is quite a trolly thing to say. But I was just, I don't know, I really, there's something about her spirit and her light that a lot of us just take to. So I was quite upset when I first heard it. But ultimately, I I looked at her apology. I realized that the the time that we were all living in made 
us all do terrible things. I mean, I can't come here and say that as a kid I did not do spiteful, not nice things. Of course. You know what I mean? I can't come here and say that. And I, I honestly do hope that her career continues to flourish. I don't believe in cancelling anyone, period. But I definitely felt a pressure to go through that process. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because it's like very quickly, if you don't go through that process, it's like you are just bitter and you are just jealous. Yeah. It's like, no, like it's not that. It's, it's hurtful when someone that you thought was dope. Yes did something like that it's yes, hurtful because a, there's like a, a legacy and a history of people doing like that and i f- completely feel what you say because i think in terms of jealousy like that's a, definitely a mindset people need to adopt that if you feel jealous of someone mm-hmm. what have they done that you can learn from and move forward from this because your life will be a lot a lot better yeah. you know what i mean like your life will improve yes. but I, and, and, and i think some of those arguments are related to bitterness but i also think as well that like we live in a system that fed a lot of dark skin girls poison. Why will they not be better? This is it. Do you know what I mean? Me like, lemons. The life that you're giving me is lemons. Of course we're gonna be sour. You exactly. know I wonder often about like I remember having a conversation on Twitter about this with somebody and it's like, you know the, the typical, as they say, black girl resting bitch face type expression. Yeah, I used to really think I had a bitch face. And it's like I don't know, I think I still do to an extent, but I don't know. <laughs> and it's like maybe that is a result of like, <laughs> it's a defence mechanism. Like, maybe it's the face the world showed her. Literally, this is the <laughs> face the on her face. Literally. You'd be surprised how like cultural norms and condition and conditioning conditioning can actually contribute to how somebody behaves. You can't tell somebody to be confident or have self esteem when these things are like extracted from society. They're historical. These things they always the, the the actions that the individual can do to better their situation are often relevant arguments. But we shouldn't we shouldn't focus on those arguments to the detriment of looking at the structure mm. that disadvantages that person. Yeah. And I think that's that's just neoliberal thinking sometimes yeah, yeah. going too far. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just the individual, it's just the individual. Don't look at anything wider, don't look at anything bigger. Don't say society is a whole needs to change like it, it, the two processes often go hand in hand you know I mean? like, this is literally the point of your pod- podcast is about the personal and the political you realize that they are like intertwined you they're inextricable mm. you cannot separate, separate them. them yeah if there are a bunch of dark skin girls who think they're ugly i'm telling you it's not just every dark skin girl it's not do. just yeah it's not just magic <laughs> you know like we share experiences because it's a social and it's a, it's a cultural thing. thing i was talking to my sister about this and i was like um it's a widespread across the spectrum thing of teenage girls pulling themselves apart really whether that's because they think they're fat whether they have mental health issues they think yeah. they're, ugly, they're scared of saying too much and that's a manifestation of patriarchy 100 um, and it's just it's, it's the it, that, that yeah. is exacerbated for darker skinned women so 100%. yeah it's exactly it's not just about let's just give all these young women slogans right it's like honestly like marketing yeah people we've been talking about it clickbait marketing and stuff like that people just think they can throw date black women on your jumper and suddenly people are gonna Mm -hmm. flock to you people are like lupita nyong'o everyone thinks everyone thinks lupita nyong'o is pretty now it's done do you know what i mean it's like it's not it's not it's not exactly it's we're at the beginning mate we have to dismantle it all but like you said it goes down to patriarchy It, it convinces you that like your sister is basically your enemy and you yeah. have to create a social hierarchy amongst yourself. So even if you're all dark-skinned women, but are you that dark? But what's your features like? But what's the texture of your hair? Exactly, because obviously, as you and I have said, like we've we've well, you said that you've been in, for example, friendship groups where all your friends are fairer than you. Yeah, yeah, all of these things. And it's, it's it's an interesting experience because you are literally friends with these people. These are people you love. These are people you break bread with. Mm-hmm, you know, these are mm-hmm. your girls. Yeah, love And the then bits. at this, and then at the same time, it's like you live in a structure that wants you guys to to see each other not necessarily wants them to see you as an adversary but definitely wants you to see them as an adversary exactly no like this these are these are my family members these are my friends these are are, this is where i come to break bread this is where i come to recuperate these are my people like do you know what i mean it's it is it robs us of that solidarity we need and i think that's what makes me sad about this and i think because usually when these things happen Mm. it's often like men's tweets that unearthed yes and so it's like i mean fair enough like i do expect a certain level of solidarity and respect for men Mm. do you know what i mean but i think as a woman the relationships you have with women are more deeper and intense you can understand certain experiences of womanhood yes um, yeah and as womanhood is constructed in our system and so yeah it's it's rubbing that's what makes me the saddest you know what i mean yeah because yeah it's sometimes it's the black women that sometimes you feel like you i'm not being rude but like i didn't feel that betrayed by the men only because 
I expect it, which says yeah. more about, you know, the expectations we hold for, for men. You just know that some men are, are wayward, I like you know, that, exactly. Just, it's yeah. just like, I'm staying away from you. Thank you for exposing your true colors. Yeah, thank you for your madness. Me. Yeah. Exactly, you won't see a dime from me. I'm not supporting you, but go on with your bad self. Keep doing your thing. And I think it's, I think it's just the thing of these women these women were made to feel somehow mm-hmm. and so in order to try and buttress well that's what i said at the beginning i think i'm going around side but in order to buttress their femininity they knew who to punch down at and so yes they chose us but ultimately that that was in response to a patriarchal of course white supremacist society yeah exactly and so but this is what we really need to speak about because yeah i don't want that to happen if yeah. my daughter has a friend that's fairer or darker than her i don't want her ever to feel like these are the things she has to navigate to do you know what i mean 100 to, to assert herself to to uh it's to like protect herself a to, like we're all exactly, trying to get yeah, out the exactly. and demand them are outside holding the barrel like these white supremacist structures are holding the barrel and we are just the crabs inside trying to fight for crumbs basically like we're right fighting on. for crumbs and we need to get out of the barrel mate like yeah. that is that's a fact but some some crabs are weaker than others and that's the dark-skinned women and the, and then the ableism and then the, yeah. the sexuality and then the gender like these are all things that basically the weaker you are as a crab will depend on your social hierarchy like where you are in the social hierarchy i think one thing that came out from this as well though is you saw that it was often it was not often sorry but there was even a case in amongst this of a woman mm-hmm. who was queer who was also a perpetuator of this colorism yeah in a way it's just yeah 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 i mean so, people i mean it's not it's not it's, it's not straight it's, yeah exactly it's not as simple as some people are victims and some people are perpetrators and maybe that person as well perhaps as someone who in some ways was not traditionally feminine was trying to assert Feminine, something other yeah, than like, femininity um, in a different way to, i don't know do you know what i mean like it's so, also superiority so you've got to be superior to somebody that's what capitalism is about capitalism is based yeah. on somebody else's oppression yes oh my god so it's like you know when you realize it's like a it's, like a, it's a triangle and it's just like who can i press okay cool and it becomes even an age thing at some point where it's like okay i'm an older a man so let me just cast younger teenage girls like you know it's it's as simple as that who yeah like everything they love is stupid and unimportant exactly let's laugh at makeup let's laugh at braids let's laugh at i feel like i feel like that is a conversation for another podcast can you divorce capitalism from oppression you can't they go hand in hand because oppression is all about power capitalism is all about capital which is how you extract power so it's like, how do I get social currency? How do I get economic currency? How do I get political currency? Like, and all of these things are usually based on, I am better than you. It is never mm-hmm. a case of, we are equal. This is not an egalitarian society. We are not all on the same basis. I have to be better than somebody in order to feel good about myself. It's yeah. always an exceptionalist rhetoric, which is what I'm trying to detract from. Even sometimes I question this idea of, beauty i know it's endemic to women that you know i literally years and years ago i wrote an article Mm -hmm. what if you are beautiful what if you are not beautiful and that is okay talking about whether whether how helpful is it that when people are feeling so bad by standards of beauty that we say it's okay you are beautiful exactly because ultimately this is a very fickle thing you know what i mean like that's a a story from another day but i also think the idea of whether capitalism can be a divorce from oppression is even another episode but let me just go to this final uh, question that we have which i think we've kind of addressed i don't know if this episode has been a bit us going around in circles but i think a lot of things that we said they probably probably needed to be said a couple yes, of times yeah sometimes you but, have to um, reaffirm it yeah you just have to keep it like rocking yourself back forwards and slowly like it is true it is true exactly um but the last question is how do we build meaningful solidarity between black women of all shades so that these events don't reoccur for the next generation it's a big question isn't it it is it, I was I'm just here in my room under my duvet wondering how I can grapple with this <laughs> <laughs> um, I think oh this might sound like a little bit controversial but wait repeat the question again please okay one sec so the question is how do we build meaningful solidarity between black women of all shades so that these events don't reoccur for the next generation okay I think the first thing that dark-skinned black women have to do is basically establish their own standard of beauty that is kind of not separate from other shades but understanding that within themselves 
there are things that they need to work on. Like, I think it basically needs to be twofold. It needs to be dark-skinned women amongst themselves and then dark-skinned women amongst other black women. Because we are going to unconsciously get watered down in every conversation when it comes to platforming black women. It's, it's, it's just a common thing, especially in Britain. I feel like in America it's improving a bit. But I think the worst case scenario is usually actually in Europe where you often get like mixed race or lighter skinned women that are platformed over the darker skinned women who probably do the same thing at the same rate. Look at our look Mm. at our singers, look at our actors, like you would think that there were no dark skinned black women in Britain if you just watched the mainstream presentation. So Mm. I do think that conversations need to be had. Inward, so within the dark skin community, and then outward amongst other shades. Um, mm. I just, I really, one thing, actually, I'm going to be as honest as just saying it straight. Mm-hmm. And this is not something that everyone has said, but I think if you are someone who is particularly fair skinned and you've not experienced colorism in that being told that you're not fair enough in darkness, mm-hmm. I don't want you to just say black is beautiful no. without any nuance. It's I don't want to hear that. that. I don't. I don't want to hear that from you, because yeah, I don't want to hear that from you. No, and it, it's not to, It's not. It's not to. It's not to diminish your blackness no. because your blackness is valid. Your blackness is important, but you're entering it without any nuance, yes. and you're suggesting that something that you don't fully understand is just an individual thing that people need to come to terms with with themselves, and you're not reckoning. You actually invisibilize the wider structure. Yes. So in a way, you don't mean it. You don't intend it. It's probably due to a lack of of experience mm-hmm. but it's quite violent when yes. you say that yeah. and it diminishes it puts the onus genuine, on us. yeah yeah genuine issues i think another thing though is so i had a discussion at one point a group of us were quite close and we literally probably went from like fairer skinned to darker skinned than me yes and another um person who was hanging out with us in the group was like darker skinned and they were like you know like it's just it just feels really unfair sometimes that these girls get all this attention and it makes me feel like this and da, da, da. and I was like you have to always in everything that you realize right there's like a blessing within it in a way mm. so, I don't know I don't know if that's the right word because I do think that when people are feeling things people should be allowed to feel how they feel yeah but if you if you move past it when you've done that process mm-hmm. like, you always have to recognize and I, I had to be like to her you have to look at the way people see this other people as some kind of conquest as some kind of status symbol Mm -hmm. which in some ways diminishes and invisibilizes the complexity of who they are do you know what i mean Um, and i think i've been lucky enough to to know that anyone who's ever loved me or anyone who's ever wanted to date me has had a certain level of respect for my character for who i am as a person do you know what i mean it's like it's like it's like whatever it's just because you've got a lot of things it doesn't mean you get a lot of things of quality yeah i mean so i think for black women sometimes dark-skinned black women it could be like oh but you know what i mean but it's like yeah you're also saving time you know what i see i mean i just think i just think we should always recognize that the grass is not always greener greener no i I agree i mean but also people, for example, when people see people as a pretty face, mm-hmm. sometimes they want them to shut up and not this speak. And that's not like just to do with, this is not just even to do with relationships. This can be in terms of um, being in front of the camera 100%. or being a model. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? There's, yeah. an assum- there's, a, there's an immediate one to diminish what you have to say which sometimes. is why you know which is do you know what i mean yeah so, this is why colorism is a conversation for light-skinned and dark-skinned women because yeah. what it does is that light-skinned women can then basically be critical of the men that approach them ask them why do you want me and like really understand that this is not me being your status symbol this chip on your shoulder this me being a person and human being so it's it's actually not just a conversation for dark-skinned women but even in the dark-skinned women thing like what you were saying about it kind of being a blessing for me i've known that everyone who's ever dated me basically they're not getting any capital from me so because there's no capital i mean i I get what you're saying but i also think that we as women are assets do you know what i mean so i don't think you should speak about yourself in that way do you know what i mean because you are you you are an asset as well do you know what i mean but i get i get what you mean do you know what i mean it's like a certain level of 
intelligence and character. I like, think. yeah, it's, I mean, it's so sensitive. I you, have to be, have to, you have to be so careful about how you're saying, because I'm not saying that people who date people who are fairer-skinned lack intelligence and character. No. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I hope you understand. I hope it's not misconstrued. Yeah. It is, it's so um, hard to be, like, really... Apologies. Like, no, I get what you mean, because I know how it can come across. It's just, like, I just think colorism... Yeah. I just think colorism... The, the impacts of it on darker skinned people are more brutal and violent yes but colorism as a whole serves to dehumanize women yes. in general yeah do you know what i mean yes, it dehumanizes exactly. it dehumanizes women of every shade and color even people that are just dating white people because they don't like dark skinned people 100%. that's so sad and i'm not saying every single person that dates a white girl or a white woman is doing that for that reason absolutely but not i'm not demolishing anyone's relationship yeah, but yeah. for those that do yeah and if that is the impetus behind it these white women are also full individuals you yes, know what i mean yeah. because they're better than that so i it, hope yeah i hope i'm not being misconstrued no. and sometimes these things are just things that play into a little bit of how we date do you know what i mean yeah. in, i mean the dating politics is just a microcosm of the extended like real world like people trying to yeah. make it seem as though oh you just talk about dating like no it actually affects workplace politics it affects economics yeah it affects, definitely it affects mainstream politics look what happened to diane abbott and dawn butler like do you think that's oh a coincidence God. in those labor leaks the way they were treated like this is none of this is a coincidence it is all extended beyond our social lives it becomes it becomes economic when, when the wage gap for black no, women of course, it, uh, of course it becomes economic i mean it, yeah. it, it's serious we can speak a lot about this but it of course it becomes economic because it's the type of jobs you have access to it's yeah all the, all the possibilities for promotion yeah. for example I'll, just to give a small example before we wrap up mm-hmm. i i did a video for bbc3 on colorism i remember that and yeah. some of the responses that i got from that video were like i don't ever want to show my face on camera ever again in my life i don't want to do, do you know what i mean i was just wow. like this, this is too i was it was it honestly felt like it was too much do you know what i mean and yeah subsequently after that certain opportunities to be on camera i just i, I, w- I was a bit more cautious and sometimes i was like i, know what you're I talking probably about. i probably don't yeah. want to do that yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. i probably don't yeah. i probably actually whatever you pay me is not going to be enough this like, is <laughs> it. No, because you don't realize what you're setting yourself up for i did a similar thing you i don't. did like a speaking engagement somewhere and the visibility i didn't realize i was going to get no one told me it was going to happen i did not even know it was going to be filmed and it was like oh. the backlash it was like raw i may never do this again and it has really sworn me off a lot of engagements now it's made me more critical i did it when i was young i wasn't like that too knowledgeable of it i didn't know how huge a talking point race and colorism would become and diversity and inclusion would mm. become as i got older i forgive myself i've moved on but it's more but to and do i think with, no sorry continue it's more to do with um it's okay and i think as well because we've spoken about access to opportunities and how it affects that people would be like oh but if you got the opportunity then why would you not but the cost or the the the, the weight for me to exist in that space is heavier and it mm. will manifest in anxiousness it will yes. manifest mental in dealing yes. with mental health yeah. it will manifest in so People yeah, undermine like, it. Like, visibility... So, I just wanted to add this. I think that was the point I was trying to make. Visibility is... I think we don't realise, like, what hypervisibility does. Like, the, the heinous effects it can have on a person. I'm so used to being invisible. And when someone actually talks to me, I'm shocked. Like, I don't... Really? Yeah, because, like, the way my self-esteem was, like, developed was thereby... Was mostly, like, invisibility. And then I got to spaces mm. that were predominantly white. And then I started sticking out like a sore thumb. But, like, mm. I'm also used to being, like, kind of undermined, ignored, like, I'm cool with it. But, you know, when I do get attention, whether that's, you know, friend- friendship, relationships, professional, I'm always like, oh, crap, this person actually saw me. It's weird for me, which is why I'm always on, like, private accounts and everything. But oh my God. I can't deny that these are, like, things that actually have followed me and I do need to unlearn as these are not parts of my character. If I was perhaps a different looking person, this wouldn't be the case. But I've sworn to myself, it's just my personality. I'm just shy. I'm just like, no, you're probably not. Like, you're probably been conditioned to think this. I've spoken to people that, like, I've dated before. And I'm like, they always mention that, like, I know that you're self-conscious about your skin. Like, you can, I can tell. I'm like, really? Really? Like, how do you I've know that? Like, and they can see it the way I am, the way I behave, the fact I don't, like, post my images and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. The impacts of this are so widespread, and people just don't. A lot of people just don't have the range, bro. Like they don't have the range. Oh, I think that Corporal has disappeared from the audio. 
and that is probably good because we're an hour in and today is my chillin day I haven't taken a day off without studying or um, working in the office for like Yeah, like 15 days or some shit. So today is my relaxing day. I'm just recording this. But I want to thank you so much for listening. I hope that you found this to be an interesting discussion. I think it was a necessary discussion. And I feel so honoured that Coco joined um, to have this discussion with me. I'm always, always flawed and inspired by her insight, by her eloquence. Um, and she's a person that I greatly, greatly, greatly respect and admire. I hope that you are staying safe and staying home as much as you can in this crazy time. I hope that you and all your loved ones are okay. If you have anything you'd like to um, add to the conversation, then you can always do do that, sorry, doing that, using the hashtag WTST. Always, always remember that it's okay to be working through some things. As we've given you answers here, these are also things that we are working through. And working through things is just a process that is lifelong. Um, but if you have any constructive, respectful, I, I demand a baseline of respect, contributions that you'd like to make, then please feel free to use that hashtag WTST and join us. Paul Cord just texted me that her laptop died. Um, but yeah, that's the signal for us all to rest. So I hope that, you know, you are you are finding little pockets of rest where you can. Again, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys, every single one that listens. And sorry again that we missed a week. It was really something I didn't want to do. But everything was just a lot. And um, I think I, I, needed, I needed not to have another thing to do. Yeah, thank you so much. Goodbye.